So we do, without further ado, we do want to welcome uh, the mother, the activist, the sister, the she has become an icon in her own right to so many of us in the LGBT movement. Uh, Matthew Shepard's mother is here with us. Uh, Judy Shepard, you are on the air. Good afternoon. Well, hello. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak to us Absolutely. here. Um, we want to... We want to start um, with, I'm sure you've been asked five million times, we want to start with, can you remind everybody, you know, what happened to your son, Matthew? Um, Well, Matt was a 21-year-old college student in Laramie, Wyoming, in 1998, and he was um, murdered by two uh, men in an anti-gay hate crime. Mm-hmm. Um, they left him tied to a fence in the field outside Laramie. Um, he was found uh, 18 hours later, sent to the hospital in Laramie, then transferred to the hospital in Fort Collins. And I think five days later, uh, he passed away. And it was obviously widely reported on. You were thrown into something that I can't imagine any parent is is obviously prepared for. Um, from the moment you get a phone call, it's a very personal moment for you and your husband. And yet you started a foundation and you started sharing your pain with the world. Um, what, how did you get to that moment where you wanted to, to do that? Well, there, there, were, there were a few things that happened, um, sort of all at the same time. Mm-hmm. We, we knew the media was reporting this like 24-7, which then is not like it is now, but right. still it was everywhere. It was on the Internet, which is, again, not like it is now. Very new kind of concept then. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at the hospital in Collins. Their server kept crashing because of all the email oh. inquiries that were coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, people outside the hospital, press outside the hospital, phone calls coming into the hospital from people we didn't know. Uh, so we knew that it wasn't just us that was really worried about Matt. We knew there were countless other people concerned about him as well. And um, then we began to get all the cards and letters and um, and checks and cash in the mail uh, asking us to please not let this opportunity go by to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we kind of knew the details of the gay community, even though we've been living out of the country for several years. Right. And um, we didn't know a lot. In the mainstream press reporting on the gay community was all terrible things. Um, uh, so we just felt like we we owed it to Matt and his friends to try to make a difference and take advantage of this opportunity, especially to, in our wildest dreams, convince parents to not throw their children away. Mm-hmm. We loved Matt. He was our son. He happened to be gay. Big whoop. It was no big deal to us. We loved him. He was our son. And we did not understand why other people would one minute love their child and then not love their child. And we thought if we could be accepting parents in such a public way, that maybe and lose our son in such a violent way, that people would rethink the idea of throwing away their children because they still had their children. Um, At the root of it all, that's what it was. We, we certainly didn't think 17 years later we'd still be here, yeah. that people would be interested in that story still, and that it would not yet be history, that it would still be a relevant story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of the yin and the yang of the work we all do, right? So mm-hmm. um, 
it just it became my grieving process and uh, gave me a reason to get up every day, a, a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it still does. And the same mm-hmm. for my husband, Dennis, and uh, the folks who work at the foundation, and or actually all of us in this great movement. Absolutely. Now, this is such a personal thing to your family and uh, to you and your husband, but taking that and turning it into a foundation, something that does uh, good and, you know, is a public, public thing uh, and a story. Was that ever hard? Was that ever, you know, too much for you to bear and you were, you know, not... You needed your moment. Exactly. You needed the moment to just be you and just have those tears. Yeah, no, I sort of did that. Mm Mm-hmm when I would come back to my room after being at an event or something, sure. um, or speaking at a college or a business, it was this message became the driving force behind everything we do um, so that this would stop happening mm-hmm. and that the gay community would be recognized as uh, equal American citizens, as basic human beings that should be treated that way. Uh, it became the overriding factor to everything we do. Of course, there's moments when you wonder, is you know, you, the last... 17 years of our life have been about this, but it's had really terrific things happen too. Um, for other folks and for us, we've had such learning, wonderful experiences, met such amazing, brilliant people. And this has been a joint effort of everybody to, it seemed, I guess, I guess in our eyes, it seemed selfish to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the personal part just became what we did when we were alone. Now, you know, one of the things I have to say as as part of your selflessness and you and your husband and going out there, so we mentioned that you were going to be on the show, and people, every time, so we have people pouring out saying, oh, I got to meet her this many years ago. <laughs> All of them said one, there was one unifying factor, and actually one young man was saying that he had just been part of a hate crime. He had just been be- beaten up, and he, happened to be an event you were at with his mother and you sat with his mother and talked about what it was like for you to get that phone call, what it was like for her. And you bonded with her. Everybody has said one thing. You have been nothing but gracious and loving. And is that part of, is that part of what gets you through? Everybody we talk to just says how amazing you're like, you know, I guess they've made you their mom. <laughs> uh, you know, Matt used to tease me. He would say, Mom, you're such a nice person, but you're really not very friendly. Because I'm an introvert, like, off the scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, but wow. I can totally empathize with folks who are feeling such deep pain mm-hmm. and insecurities and fear. When I first started speaking, the fear in those kids' eyes was just, it was palpable. Um, and now I see something different, and that's very encouraging to me. When I meet folks like the ones you were just describing who are still experiencing such fear and right. discrimination and even violence. It's just heartbreaking to me that it's still going on. Right. I I think I have a grasp on why it is happening still and maybe even more frequently now is those who don't want equality for the gay community are fighting back so hard mm-hmm. and saying and doing such outrageous things um, because they know it's over. They know, yeah. they know it's over. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of the tendency of human nature to fight back all the harder when they know they've lost. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, we kind of expected it, I think. Um, specifically, you know what happens. Yeah. But to see it and and read about it in places where you absolutely do not expect to see it, like downtown Philadelphia. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
is mind-boggling. It's, it's yeah. just mind-boggling. Well, you know, you, you nailed it right there. You know, Gandhi has that, that quote um, that first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Right. And I think, I think you nailed it right there because it is the outward lashing out is huge. Did you think 17 years ago that you would still, we would still be fighting in this country over this crazy issue, you know, almost 20 years later? Well, I'm a product of the 60s, mm-hmm. so I frankly am surprised it's gone this fast. Oh, wow. Um, the first 10 years that we tried to do this, um, it was all negative. In the eight years of the Bush administration, we knew nothing mm-hmm. was going to happen mm-hmm. that would bring equality to the gay community. Nothing positive in that large a sense was going to happen um, because the mood of the country was so fearful and anti-gay because of the leadership Right. Mm-hmm. So when Obama was elected, it was like a breath of fresh air. And someone who understood the concept of social injustice was now leading our country. And his his associates and his aides and people who uh, were in his camp were also part of that understanding. Mm-hmm. So we felt like it was going to move forward. But I honestly, I had no idea that we would be seeing gay marriage in my lifetime. Oh, wow. I, th- I thought, well, we'll do hate crimes and don't ask, don't tell, and non-discrimination. Hate would be, or marriage would be the very last thing. Right. Because it would, would be the next logical progression. But all of a sudden, here it was. I'm, I'm not sure the community was ready, actually, to, to talk about that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But here we are. I mean, oh, my gosh, in Wyoming, you can get married. You can still be fired. Right. Yes, yeah, right. All the you other can't laws. get married. Yeah. And your <laughs> so, foundation was... You know, part of that huge movement that has pushed us far, this foundation that you and your husband started with that money given, is the foundation even even uh, have such a larger view than you ever anticipated? Yes. We, we are, just by the very nature of how we got started, we're kind of a reactive um, thing because we don't, we're so small, really. We're just little. We've got six full-time employees and... A budget, you know, just around a million dollars, offices in Denver, mm-hmm. largely an online presence, information. We collaborate wonderfully. Um, and it's it's just by the very nature of things, we work with other people. Maybe the leading is only because Dennis and I haven't gone away, right. um, that we refuse to give up. Uh, but as far as being a, as someone put it, a grenade thrower, <laughs> I'm not really sure that that's who we are. Uh-huh. Uh, never go anywhere where we're not actually invited. Mm-hmm. And um, this is all about reminding the choir why we're doing this work, and that we're so close now, and to not think that we're done, because we're so not done. Yeah. So not done. That we can't so give up. So much left to do. So many mm-hmm. hearts and minds left to change, but legally, legally, um, protections just aren't there yet for everybody, and we have such a patchwork of laws uh, nationwide and adoption and, you know, rights yeah. and, mm-hmm. um, it's, it has to be settled completely and totally. Uh, and, and then, then we'll start to move ahead like a real adult country. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we can't, it's so tempting to rest and yeah, there's no, is. there's no time to rest. No matter what happens in June, and I'm, I'm. Uh, so, do you think, like a lot of of us think, that June is inevitable that the Supreme Court's going to rule uh, in favor of marriage equality? You know, I just don't see how they cannot. 
after refusing to listen to all the other cases um, to review them, they implicitly gave their okay mm-hmm. by not uh, addressing the issue earlier. So I just don't see how they can now tell people, sorry, you were married once, but you're not anymore. Right. Uh, I don't. I just don't see how that can happen. And and given the um, Love Virginia case and yeah. way back in Virginia, way back, yeah. I don't just don't see how they can. Uh, I just don't see how they can do that. Um, well, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets her way, we are we are on the fast track. I tell you, right, <laughs> right there you go. There right. you go. There Our you superstar. Go. I want to say, let's bring it forward to um, you know, seventeen years later. There is this young lady who went to school. Uh, with Matthew, Michelle Josu. I'm probably butchering her last name. Oh, Josue. There we go. I'm so sorry. Uh, She has a new documentary. Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. And one of the most, I want to talk about it, but one of the fascinating things that you actually wrote an article about is really the humanizing of Matt. You say, you know, we've made him an icon. We've made him the symbol, the saint. And you, you mentioned that you appreciate that this made Matt real and that's even more important for the movement is to have you know these icons that we have be actual human beings you tell me about how you were approached to be part of this this documentary you and your husband Dennis and then what it's been like for you well we we knew Michelle uh not as well as some of other Matt's friends uh who were closer to us uh in proximity Mm-hmm. But we knew her from school, and we knew she was a filmmaker, and she and Matt were really close. I knew Matt just simply adored her. Um, he talked about her a lot, and they, they spent some time together outside of uh, the school year. So when she uh, approached us and said she was you know, thinking about doing this film, I was like, it's about time that it's about time. I wrote a book a few years ago mm-hmm. trying myself to remind people that Matt was a real person with flaws and foibles and, you know, not this icon they've set up. I didn't, I especially wanted that to be clear to young people, mm-hmm. to not set this icon as a goal for themselves, mm-hmm. this unattainable picture of perfection, because he was not that. And um, she, you know, she felt that she had reached an age, a maturity, a readiness, a professional readiness to, um, to start this. And she went about the process of talking to us and started a, a, a Kickstarter campaign to mm-hmm. start the film. She went all around the world to talk to Matt's friends from boarding school who were all around the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really important to us that now you can see Matt as he was, see him laugh and smile and have a conversation um, and just be like everybody else. Um he he wasn't killed in the in you know in a in a march. He was just killed living his life, and mm-hmm. it's such a not an untypical story of what happens in a hate crime. You're just you're just killed because of who you are, mm-hmm. and um, we just felt it was really important that she do this, and also important that it be her vision. We didn't participate in the editing or the funding or anything to do with the actual product. Because I didn't want people to say, oh, they paid you to do that film. Right. We did not. We had nothing to do with the actual product. Uh, it was all her vision. And um, I thought she did a wonderful job, a good balance uh, of the match she knew and the match that his friends mm-hmm. knew. 
and what happened after I thought it was the, I thought she did a really brilliant job. She's had such great reviews and yeah, really people did. talking really about did. it and you know, the people who do the Laramie project, when they get to see the film it's like, Oh, that's who that is and right. you know, it's a it's a full circle kind of a thing. It's just so so wonderful. Right. Now, this film, like you, like we've been talking about, it did humanize him and showed the actual human of, you know, who Matt Shepard was. And it's a lot like what Bridegroom, uh, the documentary, did with with that situation. Now, what do you think or what have you seen the reaction of the LGBT community uh, to the real Matthew Shepard versus the icon of Matthew Shepard? What has that reaction been? Well, it's been, uh, well, it's been gratitude. Yeah. And tears, it's gratitude and tears. Um, people thanking Michelle and us for doing this to remind them that Matt was a human being above all, mm-hmm. and um, and to make him more real to them and relatable. Exactly. And I have to tell you, so um, we were talking earlier before you were on about there's a whole generation. Um, you know, in their early 20s that is being re-educated and reintroduced to this time in history and especially in so many of ours LGBT history. And so you have, and then you have so many people of my generation that I can tell you the exact moment. I can tell you the place I stood. I can remember what it smelled like when I watched CNN that day. It's a time as a young gay man just out for maybe a year. I remember it shook me so much. And now getting to, it made it important. It made me realize why I needed to be an activist uh, to do that. And in watching the footage of, uh, that I've seen of this, of this documentary and seeing the human part, if for me, it brings it all back to that day and what a selfish thing really for me to say, but for me to bring it back and for me to cry, what must it be? How do you and your husband have the strength to watch it and to see the, you know, your son right there in front of you. Oh, we don't watch it anymore um, yeah. because if he is, then he's gone again. So it's mm-hmm. it's impossible. Um, we loved like the first, you know, part of it where there he is, and then mm-hmm. at the end he's just gone. It's horrible. Yeah. I can't watch it anymore. So we don't. We are when we are someplace with the film, and we do a Q and A after the film. We we leave, and then we yeah. come back. Because uh, anyone's pain, but a mother's pain doesn't close. And you have spent your life keeping that wound open in hopes to help people, which is so uh, respectable. But I, I can't imagine. I have to say there was a quote by a minister in the film that I thought was interesting. One of the questions was, why has it taken 17 years? And he said, because closure is a word that's used way too quickly. That it's gonna take, it can take for those kids seventeen years to talk about, it. and you watched it, watched the film, yeah. and it's still not, it's still not over, no. and it never will be, and we can't expect it to be. Well, but, the, the word, the concept of closure is just, it's ridiculous. There's just, uh, it, it just isn't. Um, there's reminders every day, every day, uh, no matter how long ago it was. It gets different. I think Rose Kennedy said, "You grow scar tissue, but it never goes away. Mm-hmm. Never." And that's why it's so amazing that you continue, first of all, to touch so many people's lives and to do the work that you're doing um, as a gay man and having such a, a reaction myself. I cannot say thank you enough for the work that you do and that you continue 
to share your heart with a strangers that you don't know that you still are so and I just have to say thank you for us. Thank you. That's very kind. It it makes it it makes everything I do worthwhile to understand that I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm still feel like a part of Matt's world, um, right. and Matt actually when I meet all of you. So um, thank you. Well, we love it. And um, is there? Do you still go out on speaking tours, or what is your life like today with you and your husband? Is there some calm and? Uh, sense of a little bit of normalcy or are you still like everywhere well we're everywhere <laughs> yeah. we're, we've actually started working with the state department you know too oh, mm-hmm. um so we're 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 everywhere uh actually traveling as much or more now than ever um it's been a, since uh president obama and secretary clinton and the u.n in 2011 issued this sort of joint thing about gay rights or human rights and women's rights or human rights and you know we need to we need to talk about it in in that in that vein mm-hmm. um the u.s embassies around the world have made have made it their priority to engage lgbt communities where they are and to participate in events if they can right. um so and now there's a, an ambassador at large named randy berry uh who will be working on lgbt issues um around the world and we have six gay ambassadors now. Oh, wow. So whoever would have thought, you know, oh, my gosh. I, I, I say that with such amazement because I think it is such a mm-hmm. huge, huge thing, um, given how things were just right. a few years ago. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of being able to work internationally now and share Matt's story uh, and have a point of view from families and parents uh, is it's huge. It's it's just huge, and we've learned so much, and bring can bring so much information back uh, to the U.S. to to use here, maybe, um, but at least so that we can make this a worldwide effort, mm-hmm. in addition to an American effort. And because let's face it, Americans American human rights we're not at the top of the list, right? We're right. just not there. Mm-hmm. Right. And we need work to do, and we need to, to figure out how to make us the leaders again in this fight exactly. and we just need everybody working mm-hmm. on it everybody still and do you think though that you know we're really good at um i guess the public face of acting like you know we are at the top of our game because i am still shocked to this day when i will talk to a heterosexual person who doesn't realize or now everybody does because it's on the main main street but they didn't realize the rights that we weren't allowed as LGBT people. Do you think it's because, you know, we, we try to put up a good game and say we are at the top of our game, but we need to be reminded now that, listen, we've got a ways to go. Yes, we do need to be reminded, especially since so much of the country now has, quote-unquote, everything. Right. Mm-hmm. But still half the country doesn't have everything. And we there, it's easy to, to live in, let's say, West Hollywood and... You, you're you're okay in your job and where you live and and you know your marriage and adoption and yada yada yada. But the hate crimes still go on there. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, and- uh, you know there, we there is still so much left to do and storytelling, people's personal stories. I don't think I don't think you guys understand how important that is to everybody else mm-hmm. because once your coworker who may not have known you were gay now mm-hmm. knows, yeah. changes the perspective of how they regard the gay community completely differently. Exactly. Um, completely differently. And you would be amazed at how many people in the gay community 
that I have met that didn't know that they could still be fired from their jobs in 29 states. And how dangerous not to know. Yeah. Not to know that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, It's not just the heterosexual world that doesn't Mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of people in the gay community that don't get it. Oh, yeah. And that just shows that coming out every day and being yourself is really important to the movement and to, you know, just to changing people's lives. Exactly. That's really where it's at. I was reading some things about, you know, hate crimes, and I love the way you just... You make the distinction because a lot of people are saying, well, a crime's a crime. And you're like, a hate crime is there to terrify a community of people. It's not uh, just one person. It's to make a whole group of people just scared to death. And I think that's an important distinction that we need to make. Even if it's not the intent, it's the result. Exactly. It's the result. So uh, it's it's a whole different world. and. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's hard for people to understand if they've not actually been involved in one, um, I don't know, directly in right. some way. But it is, it's a different animal, completely different animal. And law enforcement, most of law enforcement, well, I was going to say most of them get that. But the fact mm-hmm. is they need to be educated on it, too. Yes. Um, yes. Even with the hate crime laws, we find that reporting is still, it's not mandatory. I think it should be, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So we're not hearing about everything that happens whether they're not doing it by choice or they don't know how to do it or they right. don't know they need to do it, they're not doing it. And Absolutely. this is yeah. something that needs to change. It really exactly. does. That's a huge, huge factor in, in our lives. So as we wind down here, um, I just have I just have to ask you, you are such a strong woman, and for so many years now you've kept going and gone through so many things. How? Where does that strength come from? Where do you go to refuel when the tank is empty? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of strength just coming home. Mm-hmm. And I have a group of girlfriends here. We play a lot of Mahjong, which yes. I love. Um, and I just, I just, there's like the me that's on the road, and then there's the me that's at home. Right. And nobody in my circle is part of the movement in town where I live. Yeah. So when I come home, I'm home. A lot of folks, maybe even you guys, in your in your lives, in your everyday lives, your own friendship circles are part of your work too. Yeah. I don't. That isn't part of my my coming home, except that Dennis is here and we do work here, but it's still different. Right. Uh, I have I have a like a like a like a no work zone <laughs> when I come here, and uh, and it it helps me clarify things and and rest and um, think about different things. Right. So, uh, it is, so I do get a break in that regard. It's like what the documentary is doing for your son, Matt. It is the difference between Judy Shepard, the icon, and Judy <laughs> Shepard, the human being. Maybe, maybe so. <laughs> I, I didn't really hesitate to call myself an icon, but... but. Okay, well, there's Judy A and Judy B. That's how my friends refer to me. I love Judy it. Judy A and Judy B. <laughs> <laughs> well, take it from from me uh, and from all the people we've talked to. You, um, even without meeting you, have you have meant so much to so many of us. And um, I am, you know, I am glad. I no doubt he's looking down and so proud of his his mom because you have been a mom to to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So thank you for that. Thank you, and thanks for the opportunity. It's been really, really nice talking to you guys. Thanks. It's been great. You have a wonderful Sunday, and you get some refuel time away from us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. Thanks, Judy Shepard. Bye-bye. Bye.
And that was Judy Shepard. If you are just tuning in, you just missed her. So you can always catch that on the recording Yeah, afterwards. we will put that up on the website. And we will be playing um, a song uh, as a Matthew Shepard tribute. It is by Melissa Etheridge, and it is called Scarecrow.